Give me that countryside. New York is where I'd rather stay. I got allergic smelling hay. I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. The Shores. The Shores. Fresh air. Times Square. You are my wife. This is Free Farm Friday. All Free Farm Fridays are available as podcasts. And yes, we are building a library of them at crusademax.com. Let's start with this one. (laughs) Why do leading scientists want to ban the food colorant in bacon? I had the story on Monday and I saved it for Free Farm Friday. Should nitrates be banned because of links to type 2 diabetes and bowel cancer? That's a suggestion from leading, what, scientists. MPs and peers who are urging ministers to halt its use on the back of worrying mounting research. Used as a preservative, you may see names such as E249, E250, and E251 on ingredients list, for example. The chemicals also give meats a distinctive pink color and are used uh, and are thought to increase their shelf life. Manufacturers even claim that nitrates Keep meats free from bacteria that cause food poisoning, and yet evidence being uncovered by leading, what, scientists, suggests they significantly raise rates of serious disease and may also, and also may not help to prevent food poisoning as the manufacturer suggests. Well, I can only tell you that we primarily buy, because I'm not like Brian K and have a corral full of pigs laying around that I can butcher and go make my own bacon. We, pre, we pro, uh, pro, uh, generally speaking, buy bacon from a country called a company called Wright. And if I don't get Wright, then I may get make it from a Louisiana company uh, when I can see it or when they have it called Savoy's. And their stuff is usually pretty good. And it's not pink. The bacon we buy is not pink. So I don't know that I don't think there's nitrates in it. I haven't eaten any bacon since <laughs> Tuesday, so I haven't taken a container out to look at it. Uh, so I don't really know for sure. Um, but I thought it would be a, a good uh, thought starter here. Brian uh, Brian Koch likes to our master farmer from Wharton, Texas, and a biologist, a soil biologist uh, for the uh, for the state of Texas. Brian, you talk about nitrates all the time. How after WW2, uh, there were all these nitrate or, uh, plants that were still around because nitrates go into bombs too, and they had to do something with it. So they started putting it into fertilizers. Uh, you got any nitrates in your bacon? 
uh, only the ones that exist naturally. And it does have nitrates in it naturally, right? Yes, it does. There, there's a small amount, but uh, the reasoning is because, uh, you know, it's told it's for a preservative and to kill that uh, harmful bacteria, which, you know, 120, 130 degrees will kill harmful bacteria as well. So, That's what I said when I read it. I'm like, why do you need to kill bacteria in a meat product that you're going to cook pretty, pretty, pretty thoroughly? And, 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 you know, as we said before, these large meat processing facilities are basically petri dishes for harmful bacteria. Right. I mean, Listeria, E. coli, uh, salmonella, you know, all the, you know, you name it. It's, it's uh, you know, some of them, you know, different bacteria and uh, virals and viruses and stuff. So, but yeah, but... Uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, you know the reasoning behind it, and uh, you know, I guess uh, you know ways to get it in. You know, they call it salt, what saltpeter, nitrates, nitrites, um, and other things like that. But you know, salt is also a preservative. And I was just the- thinking that the world's oldest food preservation system is what salt, salt, kosher, and. The Jews figured out in the old country, they figured out how to preserve meat before refrigeration. Yes. Pack salt around it. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, just this morning before, uh, you know, when when I got to the office, we were talking about some food preservation stuff, and uh, one of the guys here said they still have the crocs where they would store the bacon, and they would just pack lard on top of it and store it and it wouldn't have to be refrigerated so i mean there's there's lots of ways to store food and stuff and when you cook it thoroughly a lot of times it kills those harmful bacteria and stuff so you know it's it's i think we're we have i don't know if purposely forgotten but forgotten a lot of these uh methods and stuff and uh you know we uh in some instances, pay a lot of money to relearn them or spend a lot of time and effort to relearn them. So, Yeah, uh, but you can't relearn your new bowel cancer. <laughs> no. You can't relearn, oh, my little fat bastard child has, or young, young, young child who's in his 20s, I mean uh, adult, has type 2 diabetes. Well, I can tell you why he got it. <laughs> Uh, there's the kind that kind of happens in nature. Then there's this, this newfangled one, this type two, and it's an epidemic. You want to talk about an epidemic? There are more people with type two diabetes uh, than there have ever been as a percentage of the population, and the number keeps going up. Why don't smart people, these idiots that design these food pyramids, why don't they know? Or why can't they figure out what all of us already know? What it is that is driving the type two diabetes? It is the prevalence of high fructose corn syrup in the food supply. It's in almost you got to read labels now, ladies and gents. You got to even if you've got a brand that you like, you're looking for genetically modified garbage and high fructose corn syrups. And if you see it in it, find some other find something else to eat. Now I want to go to Dan Monday, old farmer. Old farmer, there's no one that knows as much about you, and your slogan, slogan used to be, Medichar, it's not how much food that you can produce, it's how much you can preserve, how much you can keep. 
Well, that's exactly right because <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, you can the bounty is when the bounty is, and history has shown that most famine for people when there have been poor years in crops have actually been in spring when things are starting to grow because that's when they run out. Not in the middle of winter, like a predict, you know, depicted in many movies or novels. They're not generally starving in the middle of the winter. They're generally starving in the early spring. And it, but, which goes to the, uh, there's an argument there or, or a point to be made about capital. If you read Hilary Belloc's Economics for Helen book, you know, the first couple of chapters, first part of the book is all, there's a whole chapter in there about capital. And about how you have to have, you have to have labor, you have to have land, you have to capital. The capital, though, is a must, but you, you have, it's a must-have component. And it comes in the form of, if, you know, you're, if you're producing crops, for example, and especially if you're consuming what, some of what you produce and you're selling the rest, you have to have capital in the form of stored crops, so that you can eat them while you're planting and then while you're hoeing the garden and, and tending to it, awaiting the harvest and the use. That's capital. You have to have it. So uh, when, if you're starving in the spring, well, then you, didn't, you don't have the capital that you need to survive. Well, uh, if, if, in your study of, of the American Revolution, uh, uh, see if you know this one. What was actually a commodity and, 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 and something the British were t- attempting to disrupt, destroy, or deny the colonies more than gunpowder? Tea. Salt. Oh, that's right. There was a salt embargo. Yep. That's right. They, would, you know, if they didn't have salt, and that was going to disrupt the entire economy. I was, they, they were do it desperately trying. You can read that they, they were trying to deny the colonies salt. And salt actually was on the, you know, had the, the greatest inflation greater than anything else. At least, so I read. I, was, I wasn't, believe it or not, I wasn't there at the time. Well, people would discover, I mean, they would discover later on in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia, uh, there are salt mines. Right off of Interstate 81 yeah. is a little town called Saltville. I know my grandmother used to live there. And you could still see to this day, they still, Morton, the Morton Corporation still, still mines salt out of that mountain. And, oh, yeah. and they, they talk. Yeah, they talk about uh, assault enterprises trying to be started along the coast and stuff during the you know the colonial period. Hmm. And it was you know, and it was never economical because it was cheaper for them to import it. Until of course you can't get it. And like anything else, you don't start something up the day after you need it. Well, you know, if you have salt water, you have to have a large quantity of it. You can make salt. Yeah, that's that's what they were doing. Yeah, you just put it in, a, in something shallow, let it let the nature take its course, let it evaporate, and bammo, you got sea salt. Yep. Wait a minute, bammo is not the word of the day. Shazam, you got Shazam. sea salt. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, you know, I mean, and and the thing with the bacon literature, I mean, you got to understand a lot of what you get in the commercial ones when you know, when if you can find it for five or six or seven dollars a pound, that is not smoked meat. It's not fully cooked, which, you know, you don't have to have smoke. And smoking processes are very graduated. You don't have to have fully smoked to be a, a smoke preservative. But what you get there is artificially flavored. It's artificially smoked, a lot of it, a lot of the cheap stuff. So they have to put the nitrates. They have to put the preservatives in because it's not true smoking. Yeah, and, and, and according to this survey, globally, the World Health Organization blames nitrates in processed meat for causing 32,000 bowel cancer cases each year, relatively speaking, uh, with a global population of seven or eight billion, 
that seems like a pretty small number, but I'm not an expert on bowel cancers. But I do know, though, that putting this stuff that's numbered, this uh, this, this, this this stuff that's died into, into food. I'm, Dan, you and I are old enough to remember. I remember back when I was in high school, my mother uh, getting brainwashed or or maybe she got religion. I, don't, I, I never researched it, but it was a, cor- a corporation called the Shackley Company. You ever heard of it? Oh, oh yes, yes. One of the pyramid scheme companies. Yeah, a pyramid scheme company called Shackley, and she started uh, using Shackley products. And the guy that came by and uh, the family that came down the street that sold their own uh, gave a presentation in our house, and I'll never forget this. Uh, and told us that we were all going to. Uh, the whole family was in jeopardy of dying from this poisoning from BHA and BHT, which were preservatives used to see in all kind of food. You know, it's not a funny thing, but it's, I don't. I also don't believe it's a coincidence. You don't see BHA and BHT as food preservative anymore. I don't know what they're using, but they're not using BHA and BHT. You're right. It has faded away, but you're right. I'm not sure what they've what they've substituted it for. But uh, well, I'm pick, I'm picking up my first three pigs tomorrow, and I guarantee you that <laughs> my butcher does not use any nitrate and does a very good job smoking the bake, bacon, various meats, and he makes a great sausage that I have him smoke as well. And you know, I love to make sausage, but I buy his good. <laughs> well, now so let's I have him make it. Okay, Brian uh, Brian K. When you slaughter a pig and you're making and you're trying to get the the bacon part out of it, uh, do you do you bother separating it? Or do you smoke the whole hog for a, uh, to preserve it and then cut the bacon off? No, I, I cut the belly. Um, and and to be clear, I don't raise hogs right now. I go buy one, and what they do, they slaughter it and quarter it, and then I do the rest. I cut the bellies. I cut the roast. I do, you know, ribs, you know, all my stuff. So I do it like that. But, yes, I remove the belly first. So you're a butcher. Uh, I'm, I'm learning. I'm are you learning. are I'm you not. a baker too? Yes. You have bees. Are you a candlestick maker? Not yet. Well, you'd have all have three. It. You'd have the trifecta. You, you. I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd have but, them all covered. For sure, and you know, I need more bees if I want to get in the, can- in the candle making business. But uh, that's a that's a whole other <laughs> venture and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, basically, uh, you know, I'm taking that and separating it and then you can remove the skin or you can leave the skin on uh you know it's just your preference uh, on that now, um, brian you know that here in the boudin as i call it the boudin alley which is from baton rouge to lake charles on i-10 and on 190 you can't swing a dead cat by the tail and not heat hit a store that sells fresh cracklings don't ever throw that skin away <laughs> No, no, no! I don't throw it. I see you save it for cracklings. That's what I was about to go to. I think cracklings is actually better than what's on the inside of the pig. If you ask me, ask me. Uh, You have you have delicious options on bacon. So yeah, a pig is a very useful animal at the end of the day because you you know in the Cajuns here and in Cajun country where uh, where 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 John Swallow and Rusty live. Uh, I, I, I'll never forget one of the, before he killed himself or before uh, the Epsteiners took him out. Uh, Anthony Bourdain came to Vieux Platte, Louisiana, for a couchon de lait, 
And they started with a 500-pound hogzilla. And they hauled it. They hauled it into a uh, in, into the people's yard. It was at a guy's house uh, who was a farmer of some sort. And they uh, they put it put it put it into a tub. And they were holding it there. And Bourdain's like, "Why are you putting it in the tub?" He goes, "You'll find out, Shaq." <laughs> and they go, "Like, well, first thing we got we done did is we don't shoot that pig in the head, Shaq." And a board goes, you're going to shoot it in the head? Yeah. No, you're going to shoot it in the head. <laughs> and they handed him the gun, and then he shot it, right? And then uh, then the fun began. They drained the blood out of it. He goes, you're capturing the blood. He goes, there's nothing in this pig we're not going to eat. And they, reserved, yeah. they, they, they conserved the blood. They made blood sausage. They take the gut. You take the small intestines. You get the stuff out, and you use the lining as sausage casing. Uh, they eat the snout, you eat the ears, the, 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 the skin for the cracklings, but they roasted, you know, of course they did a couchon de lait, so they roasted it. Um, uh, but there's hardly anything when you butcher a pig whole that you don't use. You, you use everything except the squeal. <laughs> except the squeal. <laughs> now, is there a way, uh, while we're on the subject of slaughtering pigs here in Bacon, is there a way here on Free Farm Friday that uh, if you, like Dan uh, Mitter Monday said he's going to, well, let me just ask Mitter Monday. Mitter Monday, is there a way that uh, during the slaughtering process or shortly thereafter where you can actually obtain the tallow, the fat, the lard? That's what I got. I have a number of customers. Some of them are doing just what Brian does. They say, just cut it in half, or they're taking half, and give me the head and put it in a big bag, and I'm going to pick it up. One of the guys is doing that later today. And other people, you know, it's, it's right down to all the individual cuts and how they want it, what they want smoked. The, in the case of a lot of these people who do do it themselves, they'll take the entire leaf lard, or it'll actually stay in. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the hard fat that's up under above the loin there that's in the in the top of the uh, you know above the 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 bacon there that leave that so it's in the same place on, where on a cow it's in, in like the same cow. place yeah yep. okay same kind of same kind of thing or in our case and I usually have mine done completely the the butcher does render the lard into tallow or into 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 rendered you know preservable pig lard and I'll get it in quart containers and uh, freeze it, and then I'll use it up. Well, as a matter of fact, I used some this morning while I was cooking. <laughs> I use pig lard all the time. All right, so th- this is interesting. Our listeners may be uh, very interested in hearing it. Let me go back to it. Now, Dan, where are you getting? You're in New Jersey. Where do you get? You, you know the guy who raises your hogs. Uh, no, I raise my hogs. Oh, you raise your hogs. So you know you oh, yeah, you, these, you know it. No, no, no. Your uh, dad probably did that. You know a gal. Well, no, no. She <laughs> tells me how much she hates them. We're, 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 we raise the feeders. I want to start breeding again, but she's... Well, it's a different story. We won't get into that. <laughs> okay, like Sister Philomena at, at, at the St. Benedict Center raises all those hogs. And now... Uh, yeah. And they're they never they're they're making their own bacon. They're making all their own. Any pork that they use at the center now, they raise it right there on the property, and they have hundreds of acres to do so. Let me uh, let me let me go back to Brian. Brian, uh, do you know the 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 guy who is who supplies your pigs? You know him, right? Talk to him. While, you know. Uh, hold on, hold on, Brian. Brian, you know him, right? I do know him. Yes, I. So you know how they're raised. This is important to you. What are you looking for and how a hog is raised? Um, well, he raises, he specializes in pasture-raised meat. Okay. So these hogs are raised on pasture. He supplemental feeds them 
you know, a non-GMO type feed. Um, and but they're out on the pasture all their life, and <clears throat> until he takes them to the slaughter, you know, he, you know, they they're on that on that ground, and he farrows so. Uh, he farrows the hogs on property, so that means they're from there. They're born until they get taken to the slaughter, or on the property. So it's basically the motto of one good life, one bad moment, and, that, that's, how, and that's how they're raised. So now, is it true the guy that, that Maggie and I know, Copeland, uh, who? Uh, he and his dad took over a slaughterhouse in New Lilano, Louisiana. That's where I went to watch two cows being slaughtered. He told me it's actually more difficult to shoot a pig in the head than it is a cow. Yeah, yeah. Unless you hold the feed bucket right in front of its mouth and do it. But <laughs> He said most of the big slaughterhouses, though, they're not shooting anymore. They're either mm -hmm. doing an air gun and just putting the, uh, the, the air gun right to their head. And doing that, or they're shocking them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the slaughterhouse we have uses, but okay. But uh, does your butcher? I think, I think does the, it's the air gun? Okay. Does the guy who butchers your uh, hog is he going to render your tallow out for you, or are you going to do it? No, 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 no. It's all they because you're just getting a half. They kill and then they uh, scald and uh, take the hair off. And um, I get everything. Uh, I even get the uh, intestines for making sausage for my casings. We get kidneys. We get livers. We get hearts. Um, we've we've started to get the blood. So we, we you know we try to get everything we can. And um, you know bones, we serve them back um, for you know bone broths or uh, uh, you know things like that. So and now that we have a dog. The once the bones are left over, they go to the dog after we, you know, make our bone broth and stuff. So, right, you better watch doing that. You're going to put Mitter Monday out of business. Well, <laughs> no, he makes dog I'm, food. When 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 Mitter Monday, you got you got you got a guy who's trying to is literally trying to butcher you out of house and home. No, that's all right. No, I do when, the same. I do the same thing, and I give my dogs uh, <laughs> what they get is what I, I comes out of my animals too. So it's. You know. <laughs> Remember, we're a big food processing house. We are uh, uh, bacteria central here, and uh, I can tell you a lot about it. Uh, uh, pigs are commonly stunned, folks, using CO2. Animals are lowered into a chamber that is 90% uh, CO2, stunning or electrical stunning, whereas cattle are stunned using captive bolt. Stunning renders an animal insensitive to pain and unconscious instantly. This must be done before slaughter uh, before slaughter occurs. I tell you something else that I gleaned from watching, uh, start to finish, two cows slaughter in front of my very eyes. Up until uh, Brian, up until the moment that Copeland actually puts the sides on the meat hooks and slides them into the ginormous, and then the, and then the, the chain carries them into the ginormous uh, walk-in cooler. Stuff is still moving, mm -hmm. and it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's you want to get a lot of that before you know your rigor mortis and stuff sets in too. Right. I mean, it just makes it makes it a little more difficult. And um, I'm just know, saying, just for people, if if you if you do go to a slaughter, if you go, oh, I'm going to get a pig and I'm going to go watch the slaughter. When he's butchering it, you're going to be going. It's don't bring the kids because you're going. It's still moving, Daddy. 
Because <laughs> no. it will still be moving. You bring the kids so they know what's going on. Oh, so you I mean, show them. Yeah, it's still moving. Oh, because yeah. uh, so well, Okay, that's a teachable moment then. Absolutely. I mean, when we, I mean, you've heard the term chicken when it's, with its head cut off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally, you know, running around, you know, and, and it happens. And if the kids see that, they understand. I mean, when, we just had a new baby calf, you know, a couple weeks ago. Bridget looks at it and says, his name is Dinner. Well, that's because Bridget is never photographed without food in her hands or in her mouth. That's true. That little girl is an eating machine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, She's cute, but she is. Bro, I feel for you when she turns teenager. (laughs) You're gonna, you're gonna have to take a fourth job. Uh, <laughs> all right, I want to go to our next topic here. We've covered a lot here about about, about hogs and about pig slaughtering and about bacon. Now, just one final thing for both of you. Why is it preferable? I mean, I know, but I want, I'm doing this for informational purposes. Why is it preferable to smoke the bacon? Dan, Dan, why don't you go first? Um, I don't know that there's preferable or not. I do have people who take it fresh, and there's also people who smoke other parts of the animal. Uh, it's you know it's kind of more of a tradition okay. or, or 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 a cultural thing. There's no reason you have to. There's no reason uh, other than pre- uh, preservation. There was more meat smoked than what you we might be used to. People smoke pork chops. People smoke the shoulder. Uh, you know, I used to. And I have people who take the, the the rear leg, which is what you know people you traditionally a ham. Take, you see a ham. Right. They they uh, take that fresh as well. So I've, I you know, I it, it really I think it's more cultural. I have a couple of Polish. Customers and they did not want the back smoked. Meet their Monday, the please. Ba- the do not smoke pulled. You know? <laughs> do not no. smoke pulled ham, please. No, they they want the wants raw with, with with the skin <laughs> unsmoked. That's how they're going to handle it. Now, whether they smoke it themselves or they leave it fresh, that's up to them. You know, interesting, Dan. In the old cartoons, Tom and Jerry, for example, uh, when you see Tom or whoever. Uh, or one of those old uh, Looney Tunes or or, or, or uh, Mary Melody's cartoons, when one of the animals is going is eating a ham or a ham hock, you notice that there's the bone, the white bone in the middle, the red flesh, and then the white ring. That they were slicing skin, flesh, and bone all at the same time. It, it's, it's interesting. So, well, it's probably, it's probably more common, you know, back then people would recognize it more than they do today. Right, but right. Since, people think, they think fat is, you know, we've been, certain people are conditioned to think fat is bad for you. But, you know. It's, it's like, the opposite. Like, I mean, you don't want too much, but yeah. no, you need fat. No, but, yeah, but just to add, you know, we talk about uh, you know, watching the slaughter. Let me tell you, when I took the last of the pigs up this Tuesday and one got out while we were trying to get it off the trailer, and we spent an hour catching it, and it dragged me across the ground twice. You you have no problem having them slaughtered at that point. No, no, no. no. Not I, at all. I imagine. Uh, Brian, uh, you smoke uh, your bacon, uh, so it's a preference for you. Yes, it's a flavor. I enjoy the flavor, especially pecan smoke. Um uh, it's rare yeah, to find can. in a store, in a grocery store, you hardly ever see. I see cherry wood. I see apple wood. Sometimes I'll see hickory. Very rare to see pecan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pecan is. I'm with you, bro. I mean, I have, I've won I barbecue contests, and I've never used hickory in my life. Uh, I love love pecan. It's sweet. 
It's a sweet smoke. Yes, it, it, and, it, and it's, you know, and the best pieces are the ones that are just starting to get rotten because they make a better smoke. And so I, I'll just set some aside and let them kind of sit there, and, and they're just, you know, a little softer. And uh, But, man, they and, and it'll make a smoke for a long time. So yeah. it's not, uh, you know, it's not burning up on you. Now, but uh, I do that. I also do ham hocks as well. Okay. I smoke them. And, uh, man, put that in a pot of pinto beans with a couple of jalapenos and let it cook for a while. Then you want to talk about. You know what? I'm going to suggest something, everyone who's interested in this topic. Watch Stanley Tucci's In Search of Italy because he goes to several places where they make prosciutto, where they make, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Cappicciola. And where they may, he goes to three places, they, and those farmers in Italy all grow their own pigs. They all slaughter their own pigs on site, and they all uh, and they all make their own. Uh, they, they got the process down. They make the cappuccino. They make the prosciutto. They make the salami, and it's fascinating to watch how they make it because you know they take the the the, the hock parts and they smoke it. And they all have their own little secrets, and then they salt it, and then they grind it, and then they put fat back in it. You know, when you're eating a piece of salami, and you the, the white parts of the salami, the salami why why does it taste so good? Well, because it's ham. It's well, well yeah, but it's it's fat. That's fat you're seeing. And the farmer that made it, the people that made it, salted and spiced that meat, particularly for that kind, that particular cut. Of of, uh, of of Italian delicate meat. Now, you know, a salami is going to have the fat added back to it, but a prosciutto, you know, primarily is just going to be from a nice slice um, uh, of the hog, but you're going to get the fat with that as well. Um, and those are, and Stanley Tucci goes, it's at least three he goes to, and they show him from start to finish how they do it. And it's in, there's an enzyme that they put in there, too, that kickstarts the process. Basically, it helps, uh, uh, Brian, because they hang that stuff in, in unrefrigerated sheds, Brian. They hang it in there for like six months. So they put an enzyme in there that starts basically to eat, that, that beats the, it's a good bacteria. So... It, no. When you hang any, you know, any type of meat, whether you refrigerate it or not, you know, those enzymes are there, and they start working. It's it's basically breaking the 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 uh, tough part out of it, and uh, that's what you know. That's why you hang it for tenderness. But, yeah, well, they'll they'll make the salami log. They'll make it like six feet long, <laughs> and then they'll hang that. They hang it in these in these in these lockers. And you know, one, one. I remember one of them saying, "Like my salami is not ready for six months. It's at least it's in there for six months." So mm -hmm. it's a very, it's a, it's an awesome process. It's very. You guys, you guys are listening to this show. You would love Stanley Tucci's "In Search of Italy." It's just wonderful. It's, 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 it's. There are a couple of SNF bombs in there that some of the people say, but I think you can get over that. Uh, he's a good host. He's a good Italian. He goes in search of Nona's. I mean, he's looking for Nona's in all these little towns. Uh, I highly recommend it. All right. Finally, Dan Money, let's talk about your story that you sent to all of us. Reasons grape growers are turning to biochar for vine growth. Now, that's interesting, Mitter Monday. What are they doing here? 
was interesting. And I, I've heard heard about it a little bit. I just happened to come across the article. They're they're looking for biomatter, whether it's the grapevines, which, by the way, I've smoked with grapevines too, and I don't like it, so I'm not going to do it again. But uh, uh, you know, and, and whatever other whatever other combustible uh, uh, biomaterial, the biomass they can get, and they're creating carbon and putting it back in the soil, and they're starting to tout that. And I don't. Uh, I'm interested to see what Brian has to say. I don't think I find that to be an objectionable process. It's just when they write these articles, it's like, oh, my gosh, look what we've discovered and what we've done. And we've, you know, the Department of Agriculture has now proved that this is an absolutely wonderful thing to do. It's like, okay, guys, you, you, know, you, you, just, you just, just realize this or something. Or, you, know, you, see, you just released a, a few extra thousand hours of footage that somebody looked at over and said, hey, look at that. It's really true. Uh, I, I, I just found it incredible. In, in, a little uh, disingenuous to say, uh, to say, oh, this is how we're going to put the carbon back into the ground. We're going to collect up the biomatter, we're going to burn it, and then we're going to plow it back in, isn't it? Right, right, right. Which is, 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 but, the stories that centuries know. of precedent dating back to human prehistory, not true, support the soil benefits of biochar. But it is the last two years that have really sold Doug Beck on the agricultural perks of terra preta, or the dark earth. Back a PhD soil scientist, he's you, Brian, with a uh, with an egghead useless degree. Um, uh, soil scientists with experience across four continents have spent the last four growing seasons in California monitoring a Salinas Valley-based trial to evaluate the impact of biochar and compost as soil amendments for wine grapes. Several factors are being assessed in an eight-acre block of newly planted Pinot Noir vines including vine growth, water use, yield, and fruit quality. Well, Brian Koch, I can tell him what the result is going to be. Can you? Yeah, it's gonna. you're going to have an increase in yield because you're and, – and, and I've experimented a little bit with biochar. Um, and it's, it's, I need to get a little more serious about it, but basically the concept is you, you char it enough, you know, basically taking charcoal and you, and you soak it in a – solution or a compost or something that it pulls in the nitrogen. As we know, charcoal is a filter. It takes out, um, you know, it, 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 it has pores in it. So, you know, smells and other things get sucked into it. You know, a lot of our filter filtration is charcoal. In our now, what's in the home. solution? Is the solution natural stuff? What's in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can, I mean, there's you can uh, charge. You're basically charging the biochar. Okay. So you're basically adding nitrogen to it and other nutrients for storage. Now you never want to use biochar on its own, like make it and then throw it in your garden because it's going be, to become a nutrient sink, kind of like wood chips. Mm. Wood chips, they it's it's going to start pulling it in because it needs a it needs that nitrogen as part of the breakdown process. So. You so, so, me cover, so covering a a a, co- a a raised bed with with wood chips is not a good idea, then. Um, if if they're not incorporated into the soil, they they're not as uh, okay. they don't pull your nutrients as bad. Um, so you know it's it's just all about incorporation and stuff. But eventually, yeah, it's gonna you know if you're gonna cover you you know and you don't want you don't want to pull the nut and you know, you want something that breaks so I have a bed that leaves or grass. I covered beds last year in wood chips. So I should probably, mm-hmm. now they're all covered because I planted clover on top of it. Uh, so, and they're all, they all have their Brian, uh, Brian K cardboard and plastic and everything else I could find that's heavy on it to kill it. 
uh, to kill mm-hmm. the cover. Uh, I should probably rake all that wood out of there. Uh, you can you can probably leave it just where if you're going to plant individual plants, just put fertilizer there. Yeah, you I know, do like anyway. If okay, you're, if you're transplanting, so you're you're fine. It, okay, now I'm listen. Just when it gets incorporated into the soil, okay, all right. Now listen, with two harvests, Mitter Monday, 2019 and 2020, documented. The Oasis Vineyard Trial is showing significant increases in yield with each of the three treatments, biochar alone, compost alone, and a combination of them. Of importance, all three treatments have attained this success while receiving the same irrigation regime throughout the trial. This demonstrates improved water use efficiency where the soil has been amended. These people are acting like they've discovered something, Mitterman. They haven't discovered anything. Well, that, that's why I kind of thought it was a little bit, uh, you know, as I say, I think it's good. I think it's, you know, good ways to use up material and waste. Uh, you know, as we've talked, I mean, you know, there's there's the homesteading approach. There's there's how, how big can we get before we do have to get to certain processes in order to make things viable. I mean, you still got, if you're going to make a living of it, you got to make a living. But you know where where can you where can you best hybridize some of this? And and that's why I always throw people at the Rodale. Uh, Institute because they're doing a lot of both there and showing what you can do and this is an example I think that that that's good it's it's just that the hype they put on it is, is you know as though well we were walking down the street one day and said hey if we burn up these branches and put it on the grapevines that'll put carbon back in the soil aren't we brilliant yeah like, you yeah. know what they said when you're, they just discuss- yeah when they were reading the result you know what they said Shazam <laughs> <laughs> the password is Shazam 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 yeah they said Shazam. Uh, this is all uh, uh, very interesting uh, to me, and I'm sure to many people, because uh, it's almost like you're just rediscovering wheels. Hey, look, if you make it round, you can put things on top of it. Wait, it'll do this thing called roll, and it makes it easier to get from point A to point B. What were you guys building wheels out of before? We didn't have wheels. We had squares. It was hard to push those squares. <laughs> <laughs> it really is that silly. You mean, you, mean, you, mean like, you mean like the train at the, at, at, at the, the island in Rudolph, uh, Rudolph Red Nose Reindeer? I got square wheels That's right, on the caboose. Oh, I got square wheels on the caboose. Uh, Brian, um, we're going to have to wrap this up because we're out of time. Uh, but, Brian, uh, we have, we're, we're, we're in growing season now. We went from small, not even really a winter, to boom, summer. It was 86 degrees yesterday. Um, and I fear that we're stuck in this cycle again. It's been nine days since it's rained here in southeast Louisiana. Nine days since it has rained. And I think it's, uh, it looks like it's coming again. Yeah, well. Looks like we, the drought's we, coming again. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. Uh, this Supposedly, La Nina is breaking up. and El Nino It needs to break up because I'm sick of La Nina. <laughs> yeah. We've had no winters or very short winters or just you know just just heavy hard freezes and then it goes away and then early uh, uh, and no and no spring. I like spring. Yeah, I do too, and I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm going to plant a bunch of tomatoes this weekend. So am They're I. Ready to go. Gee, yeah, I've planted some peppers. I've got some more coming on. I've got all kind of stuff. I mean, we're in full swing here, so it's it's. Um, Full swing it's here at Walsingham East. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I'm calling. <laughs> so uh, my broccolis are six inches tall, and they kind of did grow up, but I discovered that they still kind of get leggy, even with under a grow light or even in the direct sun. 
So they're going in the ground. I, I'm doing the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I already got kooks. I got my baby kooks like you guys, like you do, you know, to make all the pickling cucumbers. Uh, I did an entire tray, so I have uh, I, have, uh, I have 36 little seedlings. Um, uh, they're going all along a little fence that I that, that I have there, uh, and, and and I hope we have some success. Last year they didn't grow. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm putting them in the same bed, hoping that look everything that grew in that bed, I chopped it up and buried it in September. So I'm hoping that I that that and I, I saturated that soil with clover, and I hadn't done that bed before. So I'm hoping that that bed is ready for this year. Uh, so we'll pray to St. Isidore when we're planting this weekend. Gentlemen, we have to go. Another great free farm Friday. Uh, Brian, thank you very much. God bless you. And, uh, of course, we're, we're, we remain praying for your sister and your brother-in-law and, and your family having to deal with the loss of their beloved Elise. But uh, as you said, it was a miracle that uh, she did get some last rites. Yes, yeah. And, we. I mean, I just want to thank everybody again. Uh, it's And I just got a text about a link to donate if y'all want to donate for anybody wants to donate so i'll share that with the groups so it's yeah it's just a lot and again we appreciate it but we have some good news felicity's cast is off and everything is looking good so that's that's exciting but uh yeah thanks and just continue praying for (laughs) my sisters and her husband they you know a lot to a lot to go with well, thank to everyone that did uh, offer their uh, their prayers and their uh, condolences. Um, but 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 certainly the prayers. We got to go. I got to wrap up. I, uh, I I'm over time. God bless you. Mid or Monday, we got to run. Thanks for the story. Yes. Good luck with the with the slaughters. Keep us posted. Well, yeah. Be careful, guys, because the the I don't know about you, but our temperatures are all over the place, and I see things dipping down down there. Maybe not all the way down where you are, Mitter Church, but but just. Be careful. 58 degrees this weekend. We'll keep an eye on it. All right. That's going to wrap up a free farm Friday.